Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Oh, we'd actually talked about Rahab and how Rahab was of Jericho, was meant to be destroyed. Do you know what I mean? But it was her radical faith in God. When the two spies came in Joshua chapter 2, she literally said, and and it was miracles that she had never seen. But she goes, I've heard of your God, and I've heard what he's done. And one of the miracles was literally before she was born. It was a 45-year-old miracle. And so she she refers to miracles she's never seen, but but she so declares her faith and says, I believe in God. It ultimately saves her whole family. And then she becomes the great-grandmother of David and in the lineage of Jesus. And so what I love about that story and what I love about all the Bible stories is that there are people listening today that maybe haven't experienced a miracle themselves mm-hmm. or maybe don't have it like Rahab was generation one. Do you know what I mean? She didn't have a godly mother or grandmother. She was the first. And all it took was hearing about a miracle that stirred up her faith. And that's actually why we read the Bible is because Jesus, Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So we read the Bible stories to stir up in our faith to go, hey, Okay, if he did it for Sarah, he can do it for me. If he did it for Hannah, he can do it for me. You know, like, we Mm -hmm. read these stories to get us out of our emotional funk. This series, we're looking at 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter to Timothy, and there are only four chapters, but they pack a punch. I am so glad you've joined us. Today, we are talking about 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. And my guest today, I invited her because... I heard her talking about generations and the impact of uh, of faith along generations, and it made me think of in First um, Timothy one five. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. And just the, the generational faith that was in Timothy's family and how that impacted him. So I invited Pastor Carolyn Haas. She co-pastors. Substance Church in Minneapolis with her husband and Peter, and they planted it in 2004 after having pastored pastored a decade in Wisconsin. Carolyn is passionate. (laughs) I could just put a period there, but passionate about church leadership, parenting, and marriage. She serves on the executive team at Substance and also serves on the board of One Hope. She travels the world encouraging and equipping church planters and pastors through the Association of Related Churches. She also loves being a mom to her three kids, and in her spare time, which I'm not sure how much she has, you can find her with her family probably sipping coffee at a new breakfast spot in the Twin Cities or shopping for deals online. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you, Angela. Oh, (laughs) I love being here, and I love talking about the Bible. Yeah, and you're, yes, that's so obvious. (laughs) We're going to have fun today. Yeah, so we're looking at 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. To start us off, will you read that section of scripture. Yes. And you know what I love is God's word is living and active. So Lord, I just ask that as we read scripture today, would it just be alive to every person listening right now? Let's read this. Second Timothy 1, 1 through 11, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us 
for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. Amen. Woo. Woo. Yeah, there's a lot in there. I know. <laughs> Let's get, I gotta have to take my jacket off. It's getting a little warm in here. Um, so what, when I asked you to come on to talk, because I had heard you talking about generations yeah. before, you yeah. know, what are some of your thoughts about this? Well, I just love this because, you know, scripture is always talking. I mean, think about it. When God reveals himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm generations, right? Like it's, it's showing legacy of family. I think about the scripture in Deuteronomy, um, where it's the famous scripture where the commands of God, where it's like, um, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And then he's like, teach this to your children, repeat it to them again and again, when you walk, when you sit, you know, like everywhere you go on Mm -hmm. your forehead, you know, and I just love this idea of we are not meant uh, to just have this faith by ourselves, but we're meant to pass it on, but we're also meant to see tangibly a legacy of faith. Mm-hmm. So that's what inspires me about this passage. So good. So good. And and to think about, I, I, I really love thinking about Paul and Timothy's relationship too, because he calls him my, my dear son. Right. And so there's like this spiritual legacy, generational legacy Correct. too. Correct. Well, and here's what I love about that is, Paul in other scriptures, so Philippians two twenty, Paul literally says, "I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare." Or First Corinthians four seventeen, this is why I sent Timothy. He will remind you of how I follow Christ, just as I teach in all the churches. So, like Timothy is this dynamic pastor and leader, and yet he's saying, "Hey, your faith." Like you're dynamic now, but it started in your grandmother mm. and it started in your mother. Like, let's not forget that. And even in this passage in Second Timothy, Paul says, I'm serving God as my ancestors did. So mm-hmm. he even gives a pull to, hey, it's been in my family. I see it in your family. And I think every word in scripture is there for a reason. So what did God want us to know about the importance of the faith of a grandma, the faith of a mother, and then what does that do for us? Well, and especially when he repeats it, like you said, time and again, when we hear him talking about, oh, it, I, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that repeating over and over again about the different generations and the the importance of that and the importance of that legacy. And, and then also not where we the, where we came from, but then those coming behind us. Correct. I, I just keep thinking... You know, so I use language like I'm a third generation Christian or a second generation Christian. My mother was a first generation Christian, so I'm a second. My children are third generation Christians. And there's nothing like having all three generations serving in the same church. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everyone gets to see Grandma Betty serving in hospitality and they see my kids serving in kids ministry and they see me leading and serving. And I just think people want to see a family, the generations. And, and you know, my um, my in-laws celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary and they flew us all to Mexico to, to celebrate as a family. And we spent some time and every person went around the room and just honored grandma and grandpa. Mm. And I was shocked what came out of my kids' mouths as they honored Peter's parents. And it was, hey, we've grown up our whole lives watching you lead small groups, 
serve in church. You've been in church. You're leading Bible studies. You're ushering. You're greeting. You're, you know, they're always serving. And I went, I didn't coach my kids to say that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It just... That's they, what they saw. That's what they saw. And they it normalized for them. And I think there's something that even just neurologically and habit-wise, like you just, you catch things, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up with my mother always reading her Bible and drinking a cup of coffee and writing in a journal. She never taught me and said, Carolyn, this is how you meet with God. But it internalized for me, oh, you wake up and you meet with God every morning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I felt such a security as a child because of what I saw my mother doing. And even when we watched th- walk through tragedy, my, my dad died when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I had a mother that was so filled with faith. She never got bitter at God. She never got bitter at life. She never had a victim narrative or mentality. I mean, she was 41 years old when her husband died. Wow, that's so young. And, yeah. And I'm in high school. I had a younger brother, older brother in college. And she just loved God and stayed planted in the church and just her faith. And I just think that so impacted my faith. Do you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I have a strength in my faith. A lot of people, Carolyn, why are you so strong? I'm like, because of my mother, <laughs> the faith of my mother. You know what I mean? So Well, and to have that demonstrated too, because I think often in, in our culture, that when people are going through hard times, they, they often can internalize. Yeah. And that becomes private and we don't want to talk right. about it, especially grief, especially right. grief. Right. And we expect people to, oh, well, you had a loss. You know, your job will give you a week. And yes. most people get, you know, like a month or two later, people will be like, really? Like you're still dealing with that grief? Yeah. Which, whatever, that's a whole yeah. other topic. But <laughs> yeah, to have that example of this is what it looks like to mo- have that modeled for you to walk through suffering. Yes. It's yes. huge. Well, and I think a lot of people look at my life and go, wow, you're so blessed, Carolyn. Um, I wish I had maybe what you have or what you're, you know, whatever. And I just, I love to, as a pastor, I love to encourage people, hey, you're a first generation Christian. So let me cast vision for what you are doing for your future family. Do you know what I mean? For mm-hmm. your children, for your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. So one of our mentors, um, his name is Pastor Greg Surratt. He pastors in, in South Carolina. He tells the story of how I mean, he has a terrible family history in America. Like his great, great, great grandmother, Mary Surratt, was hung for assassinating Abe Lincoln. Do you know what I mean? So like he has some embarrassing history mm-hmm. where, you know, his all his relatives were in jails, prisons. He had a bootlegger grandfather. And he said there was two ladies who were preaching like in these tent revivals and they were praying for the meanest man in town to get saved which was his grandfather. (laughs) And it was an outdoor revival and his grandfather committed his life to Christ. Mm. And literally he tells the story of how the whole family history changed. So from bootleggers, jail, prison, being hung for assassination Mm -hmm. to now great grandfather is saved. And now he said there's over 30 of the Surratt's that are now in full-time ministry, that love Jesus, like all the uncles, cousins, siblings, all transformed, legacies changed I could go on and on about how many people have given their lives to Christ through this family. And I just think that's what I want to cast vision for is mm. even if you don't, let's say there's someone listening today that their grandmother and mother were not, did not have faith. And you might be listening to be a first generation of faith. Guess what? You get to be the grandmother mm-hmm. you know what I mean? mm-hmm. and you get to be the mother. Do you know what I mean? That are going to impact your children and your grandchildren and can literally change history. Because that's I, what we see here in second Timothy or what I see is Paul, 
passing the baton. I mean, this yes. is his last letter to Timothy. So he's he is passing that legacy on, saying, and encourage, fan the flame. Yes. Keep going. Yes. Don't stop. Yes. Because it only takes a couple generations. Correct. To change that, or a generation yes. to change that whole thing. If Timothy 100%. were to say, this is too hard. I can't, I can't with this. Then that would have changed, that would have changed a lot, actually. But to, to be, to encourage to what you were saying about if you're the first generation, Start that legacy. Yes. Fan that flame. Yes. Keep going because God is faithful. I'm preaching myself. God is faithful yes. and, and, and has a plan and will work in that. Yes. And think about, I think it's interesting that we don't hear any reference to Timothy's father. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no, I mean, we don't know, right? It, doesn't, it just says grandmother and mother. Mm-hmm. But isn't it, you pointed out earlier, he says to Timothy, my dear son. Yeah. So I think there's people here today that are listening that maybe don't have a, a spiritual mother or father. Mm-hmm. But God can give us spiritual mothers and fathers in the body of Christ, in the church, that can come along and mentor us. Mm-hmm. And Paul was able to be a father spiritually to Timothy. To me, that's inspiring. Yeah, and that's what you're experiencing with a pastor in South Carolina. Yes. And you know what's so funny? I've never—you just put it together for me, but I've always said he is a spiritual father to me. Think about it. My dad died when mm-hmm. I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I always ask God, would you be a father to me? And how does he do that? He has sent— other men, older men to be fathers, and Pastor Greg is one of those, where he has been a spiritual father to me. And every time I've been overwhelmed, I talk to Pastor Greg, you know what I mean, <laughs> help, you know, and he just helps. I am the youngest of four girls. My mom was the youngest of four girls. So when I started having kids, I thought, oh, I'm going to have four girls. <laughs> I have two boys. That's awesome. And when I started thinking about the women that really spoke into my life, it was women who had sons. Mm. And I thought, oh, Maybe the maybe God gave me two sons so that I would have that desire yeah. to mentor and that desire to come alongside other young women and to be able to have wow. spiritual daughters instead yes. of, you know, physical daughters. And I would not trade my two sons for anything. <laughs> I love them. I love being a boy mom. That um, is so awesome. That but, is so awesome. But I think sometimes, you know, some someone could... You know, you have an expectation. Things are not what you expected. Yeah. yeah. To be able to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give this to you and, and I'm going to see what you're going to do yes. with this yes. in the midst of it. Yes. Even with legacy. Well, and here's, okay, so I, I we talked about this on another show. We'd actually talked about Rahab and how Rahab was of Jericho, was meant to be destroyed. Do you know what I mean? But it was her radical faith in God. When the two spies came in Joshua chapter two, she literally said, and it, and it was miracles that she had never seen. But she goes, I've heard of your God and I've heard what he's done. And one of the miracles was literally before she was born. It was a 45-year-old miracle. And so she, she refers to miracles she's never seen, but, it's, but she so declares her faith and says, I believe in God. It ultimately saves her whole family. And then she becomes the great-grandmother of David and in the lineage of Jesus. And so what I love about that story and what I love about all the Bible stories is that there are people listening today that maybe haven't experienced a miracle themselves mm-hmm. or maybe don't have it. Like Rahab was generation one. Do you know what I mean? She didn't have a godly mother or grandmother. She was the first. And all it took was hearing about a miracle that stirred up her faith. And that's actually why we read the Bible is because Jesus, Hebrew says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So we read the Bible stories to stir up in our faith to go, hey, Okay, if he did it for Sarah, he can do it for me. If he did it for Hannah, he can do it for me. You know, mm-hmm, like we mm-hmm. read these stories to get us out of our emotional funk. Right. What do you do? This is a hard one. What do you do when you pray for the miracle and you don't get it? Okay. 
I love that you asked that story. Okay, so I was literally meditating on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I was thinking about how Abraham has this radical, you know, moves to an unknown place. We all know Abraham and Sarah are dealing with massive infertility, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. For years. Right. Till Mm -hmm. they're like ancient. Do you know what I mean? And Romans 4 says till their body, you know, their body was as good as dead, Mm -hmm. yet they did not waver in faith regarding the promise of God, but but believed that God was able to do what he had promised. Okay. Here's what's so significant, and I've never heard people talk about this. What is he? God promises him, your descendants will be as, you know, sand on the seashore, stars in the sky, numerous, right? He has one son that, you know, well, I had Ishmael, but Isaac, right? Mm -hmm. One son with the promise. So he has Isaac. Here's what's crazy. Genesis 25 talks about Isaac and Rebekah, and it actually talks about their 20-year struggle to get pregnant. Mm. And you, you almost miss it because it actually says... They, that in uh, in Genesis twenty five twenty they were forty when they were got married and Genesis twenty five twenty five twenty six says they were sixty when the twins were born, Genesis twenty five twenty one says that Isaac begged the Lord to open the womb of his wife Rebecca because she could not conceive, mm-hmm. and I think it's so profound for us in this conversation of generational faith because here we see generational struggle and right. generational faith. Yep. So we see okay, mom and dad struggled with infertility now. Yet God has this epic promise. Now Isaac and Rebecca struggle for 20 years. Can you imagine the pressure they felt of like, uh, we're supposed to have descendants as numerous, and (laughs) now we can't get pregnant. This feels a little bit like my dad's struggle. Now it's my struggle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But but what does he do? He cries out to God, cries out to God for 20 years, Mm -hmm. lays hands on his wife. She does conceive. And then they have twins. Like, I just think it's funny to go from Isaac 1 twins, Jacob and Esau. Then Jacob ends up having many, many kids and Mm -hmm. we see all of that. So I just think that's a great Bible story for us to look at and go, hey, God's promises and his timeline, we can't get impatient. Mm. In fact, Second Peter says that God is not slow in keeping his promise as some of you think he is. Actually, his timing, it says in Second Peter, is actually for your benefit. It's so more people can get saved. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can just understand Luke 18, one, always pray, never give up. Well, and get beyond ourselves, get beyond ourselves and what we're seeing right in front of us. And then the word that I always struggle with is surrender, surrendering to what God has, surrendering to his will, his way that he can see more than I can, that he's, yeah, (laughs) that he's bigger than me, that he's bigger than me. And I can trust that. Yes. Even when it's hard, even when circumstances make it feel like, you know, I had circumstances in my life at one point where I remember turning to a friend that we were singing a song about God being good. And I was like, I don't think I think God is good. Wow. And we were at a conference and staying with a friend. And the next morning, my alarm was good, good father. That's what (laughs) I woke up with. And I started crying and I was like, God, I, I really like in my soul, in, yes. in, in my, the, my core, I believe that you're good, but I'm just having trouble reconciling yes. the suffering yes. with your goodness. Yes. And it's even hard to explain how I walked through that and how I came to a place to understand. Well, first of all, I, my definition of good yeah. was wrong. Wow. It was, you know, God's goodness isn't about a feel good, happy always positive. Yeah. Sometimes the good is because of suffering. Yeah. Some the the good is his ever present 
that's with us, yes. that we never walk through yes. anything yes. alone. Yes. And that he is at work even when it even when it feels like he's yes. not. Right. There there is something that he's doing. Yes. And and because of that, I've been able to come alongside people. So then we get back to legacy. We get back to spiritual legacy. Yes. yes. Of I've been able to come alongside people and encourage them and yes. say I've walked a similar That's road. <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're going through, yes. but here's what here's my experience. Yes. So hopefully when you hear it, you know you're not crazy. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> you might feel crazy. You're not crazy. And God is with you. Yes. And I think we need people in our lives to yes. remind us <laughs> yes. of that truth yes. when times are hard. 100%. That, yes, of, of course you feel the way you feel. But that is not true. Correct. This is what's true Correct. about God. And that's actually what Paul was doing to Timothy. Right. That's why he was writing him an encouragement letter. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here to encourage you about suffering. I'm here to encourage you about don't look down on yourself because you're young. That's an insecurity issue. You're like, yeah. hey, let's do this. Fan into flame. Be confident. You know, you're yeah. going to suffer. You know, like he, he, Paul does not shy back from saying suffering is part of the, the, um, we get to suffer with right. Christ. Mm-hmm. It's actually a privilege and we get to rejoice in our suffering. Yeah. And to get to that point where you can see that God's at work and where like this weird place when it becomes, like you said, a privilege. Yes. Of I get to, I get to suffer for the Lord. Yes. Is amazing. Yes. Well, ultimately, I don't think we have the big picture in mind. Like no. even. The fa- it's right here. I'm holding we're my only thinking about this face. earth, which is why we grieve so hard when people die is because we're, we're thinking of our loss. We're not thinking of them. We're not thinking of them in heaven. We're not thinking that we're going to have eternity. We're not rejoicing. You know, like mm-hmm. it in, is about our loss. Correct. It's about us. Correct. Yeah. And I just think we do have we are short sighted in how we think about this world. Mm-hmm. And listen, God promises that death is actually part of his will. Like yeah. it, is, it is destined for man to die once and then face judgment. Like mm-hmm. one out of one of us is going to die. Right. <laughs> so why do we get so shocked? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, it's the timing of death, and that's a whole separate conversation. But my point is um, we're not promised the lives of those around us. We're not promised, you know, circumstances that make us feel good. But we're promised the presence of God. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Right. We're promised his word will never fail. We're actually also promised that this earth will pass away. Like, ah, like yeah. it will pass away. It's going <laughs> to. So mm-hmm. like we don't like to meditate on that. No. We're also promised in this world you will have trials. Mm-hmm. But take you, heart. You will. <laughs> not you might, Correct. but you will have trials. Correct. Yeah. And I think people just need to be secure that that's not a sign of weak faith. That's not a sign that God's not with you. No, it's actually an opportunity for you to go, God, how do you want to reveal yourself to me mm-hmm. in this hardship? How do you want to reveal yourself? We only have a, about a minute left. Do you, is there anything else that you want to make sure that we talk about in this scripture? Man, I just, I think, you know, when I think of the grandmother, the mother, and, and Timothy, I think about Hebrews 12 where it says we're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses. And, you know, Hebrews 12 says since we are surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let it let us strip off every weight that slows us down. And I think that would be my exhortation to all of us today is man, we've got a legacy of people, whether they're your natural mother or grandmother or not, we've got a spiritual legacy of people that we can look at their legacy of faith and then we can strip off whatever's hindering us and surrender to the Lord and fan the flame. Yes. Carolyn, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was such a great conversation. So fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. If you'd like to find out more about Carolyn Haas, you can check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time when we discuss 2 Timothy 1, 12 through 18. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Being the new person can feel intimidating, but we want you to know you belong, and we're so glad that you're here. We're excited that God is working in your life and that you're joining us in the mission field to tell the whole world about Jesus. So, introduce yourself, and we'll send you a special free gift to encourage you with information about who we are. Request your free welcome pack today at MyFaithRadio.com. That's MyFaithRadio.com.